Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. If you join me in turning in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. We, we did the first two verses a couple weeks ago. If you want to listen to them on YouTube, they're, they're posted now. But we come to verse 3 and it says, When we walk in that light, Man, he's cleansing us, and it's our sin that mucks up our our fellowship. But if Jesus is washing me of my sin and washing you of your sin, then that thing that separates us is not there. And we feel this instant koinonia with people we didn't even meet. We just, you know, just, you can meet a brother or sister from halfway around the world, and you know they're in the Lord. When you're walking in the light and they're walking in the light, there's just this sweet instant connection. Because sin is not doing that work of separating. You know, this almost wrote, it's my sin what has separated me from thee, O God. He felt the, the power of sin to separate. And it not only separates us from God, that vertical relationship we were supposed to have first, but what does it also separate us from? Each other. Love God first and love your neighbor as yourself. It'll mess up your relationships with others down here on this horizontal. First, we got to get our, our vertical orientation set up right. We have to have us and God in the right plane. Then when that relationship's solid, we're able to do us and everything down here on the horizontal plane, all the other relationships we have down here. But if you want to walk in hatred, you want to walk in bitterness, you want to walk in unforgiveness, it's like spiritually, and by the way, some of you are going to identify, you're going to know people that you know are spiritually in the dark. And I'm just giving you a clue as to what might be bringing the dark dimmers on. Their own hatred could be the thing that is keeping them from seeing those truths. that, Though they be right next to them, they don't see it. Now, the reason I point this out is because John said he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, you guys know it says, for God so loved the world. John 3, 16, the same guy wrote this, by the way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Same guy that wrote this wrote that verse. He knew God loved the world. When I heard, I grew up hearing that verse, but in my understanding, God so loved the world meant God so loved all the good people. Now, I don't know why I thought this. Well, I can tell you why now that I look back. But at the time, I just thought Jesus came to die for the good people, the goody two-shoes, one of which I was not. And I knew that I'm not going to get to go because he only loved those people. But is that really true in the scripture? Is that, in the, is that the real Shine the light on the verse. That's what it means. God only loves the good people. No, the Bible says at the right time, while we were yet sinners, Christ died, the just for the unjust. He died for us when we would. And how many of us are righteous? How much? How many in God's sight are, the, are truly the goody two-shoes in his sight? None. There is none righteous. No, not even one. Wow, I had it messed up. But see, I can tell you why I had it messed up. After reading this, because here it says the one who hates his brother 
is in darkness until now. And I can tell you without any, not to boast, but hate was definitely part of my wiring. And there were different people I hated for different reasons. Some that had disappointed me, some that had hurt me. And being raised in a Sicilian family, we had a little schooling on how to remember, you know, someone hurts you. And even if they say, oh, forgive me, we go, we'll forgive you, but we'll, we won't what? We won't ever forget it. And then we would make notes. That day you did this to me. And, and we, we like keep a journal. Whether we write it physically, we got it up here. I, I remember, I've shared this before, but, but I had an aunt. We went all the way back east for, to Detroit, Michigan. for the, the families were coming together with a big wedding. And weddings in a good as Sicilian wedding is like a week long, okay? And the food comes and goes and comes. And, I mean, it's just, it's, like, it's continual dancing. and just, It was the best feast I've ever had. I look back and I think as a kid, one whole wall of this hall that we had was all desserts. Homemade Italian desserts, you know, gnocchi and 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 spinji, everything, all made. Casadetti. We were like, oh my gosh, this is my mouth is why I shouldn't talk about this. It's right before lunch. But then another whole wall, the long wall, was all the main dishes. Just a whole entire wall of just food, and and the food just kept coming, kept coming, and and the and the dancing went on, and it literally lasted for an entire week, the celebration. People came, they went home, they rested, they came back. The party was 24 hours a day for seven days. And it came time for the actual wedding cake when it was to come, you know, to the hall. They were carrying it and it started to tip. One of the ones put their hand like this and they caught the cake from falling, from going down to the floor and they saved it. But my whole life growing up, I always heard the story of, how dare that they put their hand in the cake. And I was there. I was thinking, that was a great save. You know, as a kid, that was a good save. But you know what? The person's point of view was different than what a good save. Their point was, you stuck your hand in the cake before it was time for them to cut the cake. And so it had a mark in the cake. And now there you ruined the cake. And we're never going to forgive you. We're never going to forget. And, then they, and the person who did it was like, forgive me. We'll think about it. So my Sicilian ingraining was very good at not really forgiving. And I didn't realize that this not forgiving thing, this holding on to things, what people do to you and and remembering, this causes you to become spiritually, what, in the light? No, in the dark. And so I can say to you, just like John said, he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. When people say, how do you know God's real? I say, because to me, I'm the, I'm the disciple whom Jesus took from a heart that was filled with hate and anger and unforgiveness, and he replaced it. He took away that hatred. He took away that anger and that unforgiveness, and he replaced it with his love, his grace. And he showed me great grace and because of that, I can say, you know, something like, that person's terrible. They'll, they don't even deserve to be in the kingdom. I'm thinking, they're a lot better than I was. They're further along. If God could save me, some of you are like, you're so good at dealing with people that are messed up. I wonder why. 
Because I look at the grace that God poured out to me and think, if he had grace to me, and they're not as messed up as I was, then will he have grace to them? Sure. And I can tell you, the disciple, instead of who Jesus loved, like John declared, you see, each of us receive different things from the Lord to realize how real he is. To me, I know he's real because he took me from this young boy filled with hate that was really angry and, and, and would fight for no reason at all. I didn't need a reason. Just give me an excuse. Love to fight. Physically get in fights. That was fun. Breaking bones. I like the snapping sound. And I look back and think, if somebody snuck up behind me, because I was telling the kids last night, when, when, you, when you do fight, if you beat up somebody, there's a problem with doing that. Because once you beat up one person, you know, you might have beat that person, but they probably have a brother or a couple cousins or uncles or friends. And what started off with you just fighting one guy can turn into you fighting a bunch of guys the next day. And even if you win the next fight and you beat a bunch of guys, guess what? They go, we'll get more. And you have to learn either to align yourself with other guys that are good fighters so that you can walk around. And, but you don't walk around like normal people. When you, when you get into this rut of fighting and you have made enemies, every little sound behind you, you're on full alert. Little twig snaps, you're ready to spin around and punch. And th there's a problem with that. Do you know what that does for your blood pressure, for your stomach? You get ulcers because you don't, if someone comes behind, what do you want? And, and the bad thing was my hand, just as I would turn, I don't know if you noticed what it did, but when I get ready to see what they want behind me, my hand already goes like this because it's ready to punch. That's not love. That's paranoia. That's messed up. But the God who revealed to John that he sent Jesus and Jesus said, John, I love you. And John went, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. He could declare unequivocally to everybody, hey, guys, there is a God that loves you. He loves the whole world. And if you just believe in him, you won't perish. You'll have everlasting life. But if you walk in hate, you're walking in dark. And he doesn't want you to walk in dark. And I can tell you from a guy who walked in plenty of dark. There's a God that loves us and says, I'll, I'll trade you all that anger and that hatred for something that I want to give you. And you know what Jesus gave me instead of that? It's found in, the, in, in John's gospel also. John 14 says, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives. He said, it's his peace doesn't mean you won't have conflict. It means he'll be with you in those conflicts. And all of a sudden I realized Jesus wants to be with me, walking with me. I'm not walking through this life alone anymore. And I don't have to worry if I hear, I mean, to, to me, to someone said, prove there's a God. I didn't spin around and punch that guy when he snuck up behind me. Just the other day, someone came up behind me, got really close, and I thought, wow. I didn't even turn to punch him. I went, hey, how you doing? That's, that's a big step. If you're coming from where I'm coming, that's like, there's a God. And he has changed 
the hate and replaced it with his love. He has changed the unforgiveness that I had and replaced it with his forgiveness. He said, how much have I forgiven you? I went, everything. How much should you forgive those guys? Is that a trick question, Lord? How much should I forgive? All things. And if you don't forgive, if you carry that unforgiveness, that person hurt you, you do like my aunt. I remember when the cake, when and that hand printed, oh, my, oh blah, blah, blah. I was thinking, wait a minute, that was when I was like this high. It's like, what was that, 30 plus years ago? They hang on to things for so long. How long can one hurt keep you in the dark? So you may not realize that you may have been in the dark so long that you're wondering, wow, what's the light look like? But I'm here to tell you today, if you can receive this, you do yourself no good to hang on to unforgiveness, to hang on to hatred, to hang on to hurts. When somebody does you wrong, it would be behooving of you to just let it go. It would be the best thing you could, if you could hear this, if you can receive this, the best thing you could do is just let it go. If somebody hurts, I've used this analogy before, but some of you, somebody hurt you, they threw a rock at you. And what'd you do? You went and picked up that rock. You said, oh, you, you hurt me with this rock. You threw this rock at me and it really hurt me. What's today's date? April 3rd. Now I'm right that on there. Johnny threw this at me. Never forget it. It was a really hard throw. It hit me right in the head. I ain't going to ever forget that you hurt me with this rock. But in order for me to hang on to this memory, I do something really strange spiritually. I go like this. Let me get this burlap sack here. You guys know what burlap is? We use it on the farm. It's that real scratchy kind of tan-colored fabric. If your person says, you hurt me, I'm going to remember that. Here's what you did spiritually. You took that rock. You grabbed yourself your own burlap sack. You wrote on it. This is Izzy's sack of remembrance. Take rock, insert in sack, throw over shoulder, and I'm going to carry this with me because I'm going to keep it with me in case it maybe tomorrow or maybe maybe next day, maybe a year from now, I'll be able to whip it out and remember. Remember when you did this and taking my, oh, here it is. You threw this at me. Now, what's the problem with carrying this? And if you're a person that's carrying all of the things what people have hurt you with, maybe they threw a log at you or chainsaw that was running or whatever thing they did to you that hurt you, you start grabbing it and throwing it into that sack and now you're carrying the sack. And that sack gets heavier and heavier and pretty soon you can't pick it up. And you're wondering, people are going, what's the matter with you, brother? Nothing, man, I'm fine. I'm just fine here. And your shoulder's like, oh, man, my shoulder really hurts. By the way, it's interesting that a lot of pains come to people who carry unforgiveness. Though you say unforgiveness doesn't have any weight, I suggest it weighs more than this rock. It weighs more than a whole sack of rocks or a bunch of bricks and throw in some logs and whatever, steel beams, anything you want to throw in. Whatever somebody's hurt you with, you put the heaviest things there because it's terrible for your body. There was a young man in our, in our high school, and back then it was socially accepted to say he was retarded. We, they have a different term today. What was it? Mentally, special need, de- developmentally de- delayed. 
Okay, I'm going to be politically correct. And this boy, he was our age physically, but they said he was about a sec second grader mentally. And he was still out in our high school, although he was the brunt of almost all of the kids picking on and, and they're joking and everything. And one day I passed by him and, and the kids were picking on him. And they were laughing at him. And you know what he did? He started laughing with them. He didn't understand they were laughing at him and it was him that they were mocking. He just thought, oh, they're laughing. Okay, it's time to laugh. So he started laughing. And I walked away thinking, I was a brand new Christian. God, that guy, he doesn't even have the mental capacity to understand they're laughing at him. And he just started laughing with him. Now I get on the bus and he gets on the bus and then sits in front of me. And I look over him and someone said to him, how's your day going, Tommy? He said, oh, it's going great. And he's still laughing. And God just pricked my heart and says, so is it better to be so smart or so forgiving? Does he have a sack of unforgiveness that he's carrying like you? And I was like, dang, that guy is so happy. I en I'm envious. I was truly envious. He went home at the end of that day, even though people had picked on him, and he just laughed with them, and he... When they asked him, how was your day? He's like, oh, it was a great day. And I thought, if, you, if you're hanging on to unforgiveness with your brains, you're not so smart. He was smarter. And he was freer. And so I can stand before you today and say, the disciple whom Jesus freed from a lot of hatred and a lot of hurts and a lot of unforgiveness and said, let it go. The disciple whom Jesus said, I don't even want you to keep the sack. First, he made me empty the sack. Rock by rock, stick by stick, hurt by hurt, let it go. Until I had an empty sack. Because what you doing with that? I'm just hanging on to in case I need it. Right? Just me and God having a conversation. Why are you carrying that burlap sack for? Well, it's my unforgiveness sack, Lord. It's empty now. Aren't you proud of me? It's empty. Yeah, I'm proud of you, but what are you carrying it for? You like burlap? You make a... A little cloak out of it or something? I'm like, no, I hate burlap. Well, why are you carrying this? Do you understand what I'm saying here? Sometimes spiritually, we don't realize how stupid we are. And I'm using myself as the example of pure stupid here. Because I was actually spiritually holding on to the sack. Oh, yeah, Lord, I let it go. I let it all go. It's empty. What am I supposed to do with the sack then? This is where you become free. Let me just ask it in a simple way. Do you think that that young boy at my high school that was mentally challenged, did he have one of them sacks? No. Never did. And he was full of joy and contentment and happiness. And I'm thinking, you know, some of you Christians need to throw away your sack. Maybe you got, and you probably have a lot less rocks and stuff in yours than I did. But it doesn't matter if you have just one. And you carry just one rock, one hurt, Will it defile you? Will it, whether you realize it or not, John says it will put you in the dark. And you could be sitting there, God, I need to know what you have. God, I just, I need to know what you want me to do. I don't even know how to operate the TV. It's over there. I can't make it work. I can't find the remote. And spiritually, you're in the dark and he's going, let it go. Because when you let it go, spiritually, the light comes on. And when that light's on, 
You go, there's the remote. Little guy was trying to hide on me, huh? Easy to spot the things you need when you walk in the light. Difficult for the guys who do not. When they walk in sin and they call me up going, I just don't see like you see. I want to say to them, what sin are you holding on to? Let it go. That's how you get in the light. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. Oh, mm-hmm.